have the conversation about how you're going to work together, what the role of the office will be, whether you're going to spend a certain number of days or set days in the office together so that you can still be creative and innovative and still connect, but also do it more on your terms in terms of whatever is your preference as well. Welcome to the My Future Business Show, where we get you in front of your best audience and keep you there. Not only are we interviewing the biggest names in business to help you become even more successful, we're inviting you to book your spot on the show to help you grow your business. So at the end of the call, make sure you fill in the interview application form at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. Hi, and welcome back to the My Future Business Show. My name's Rick Nusky. It's great to have you here. Listen, today I'm on the line with somebody very, very special, especially if you're looking to live your life a bit differently. You're trying to find ways where you can maybe work smarter, get some of your time back, spend more time with your family, all these wonderful things, because we're going to be talking about all of these things with global expert in working smarter, Tina Patterson. Welcome to the show, Tina. Thanks so much, Rick. I'm absolutely thrilled to be here. Yes. Now, you and I were just talking about uh, the school holidays that are upon us (laughs) and having the opportunity to, you know, work uh, wherever you like and do the things you love doing. And I have to say, I've been reading through your bio and all the rest of the information on your website, uh, tina-patterson.com, and it's just amazing. So let's start off by finding out a little bit more about you, if we can. Where are you calling in from today? So, as you said, it is school holidays, which means that I'm not at home. We are down the coast uh, in a place called the Mornington Peninsula in Victoria, Australia. And uh, the beach is really, really close by. (laughs) So I've got some kids in the next room. And um, one of the things that I really want to normalise is that whatever it is that's important to you outside of work, that it's okay to bring it into your work life as well and say, hey, most of us have got things and people that we care about outside of work and it's not a sign of not caring about your job if sometimes these things do bleed into your work time as well. Yeah, there seems to be a, a, a almost a monumental shift globally. I wouldn't say just locally, but globally towards this idea of actually finding more time to spend with loved ones and bringing that uh, work at home, especially now with the, I guess, the, the pandemic. Has, have you seen much of an impact uh, as a result of that? Yeah, absolutely. And Rick, I think back to when I started my uh, my own business. And so I was in corporate for over 20 years, which I absolutely loved. So working for large global organizations. Mm-hmm. And when I started my business, I'll never forget, it was just pre-COVID. And there was this client that I really wanted to land. So one of Australia's largest companies. Mm-hmm. And so I was trying to be really professional on the call. <laughs> and so it was a video call and I'm sitting there with my business jacket Freeman on proper. having this conversation. <laughs> and my daughter, who at the time was 11, came in. So where I was hoping <laughs> I would have this time where it would be Um, uninterrupted. It just didn't happen. And my daughter came in wearing a giraffe onesie. So she's got this costume on and she came in and put a paper crown on my head. And here I was trying to be really professional and land this big client, which would have been one of my first clients. And I remember thinking, I've got a choice here. I can either ignore the fact that I've got children and try and push Eliza out of (laughs) um, view from the screen, (laughs) or I can acknowledge that I've got 
children at home who are remote learning while I'm trying to work from home. And so I thought, you know what, I need to lead by example. So I introduced my daughter to Di, who was the um, potential client that I was having the conversation with. So anyway, I took the paper crown off my head and Eliza <laughs> uh, ended up walking away. And what happened next though was really interesting. So I could see that Di kept putting me on mute and she was turning and obviously talking to someone who was off screen. And I said to her, Di, have you got someone there who wants to meet me? And she said to me, I see your giraffe and I raise you one lion. And her 11 year old son had seen my daughter. He'd got into his lion onesie and had come on the screen. So this if you can imagine the level of trust, vulnerability, authenticity, it just skyrocketed. And so Di and I ended up having this lovely conversation about how are you going juggling having kids at home while you're trying to work. And this beautiful relationship was born out of that situation. And so they ended up being a, a wonderful client of mine. But I do think that sometimes we're scared to show our real selves, but when you do, the results can actually be magical. Yeah, that's some sage insight. Thank you very much for sharing. I'd just love to, if we could momentarily, we've obviously touched on our kids. Now, my uh, children were having to work from home during periods where the schools were locked down. What do you see for the future of learning? Do you think that that's going to maybe evolve a little bit? Yeah, look, I, coming from Melbourne, Australia, where we've been um, labeled, unfortunately, as the lockdown capital of the, the world. world. You know, I've seen my kids have to remote learn uh, over the last two years for considerable periods of time. Look, my view is face-to-face -face connection is really important, whether you're a child or whether you're an adult. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it's so important for us to get back a lot of that face-to-face -face connection. But at the same time, we've shown that there is so much that we can do differently from how it has been in the past, whether it's for children learning or for us uh, in terms of how we work and that so much doesn't have to be face to face as well. Mm. So online, whether it's learning or working, brings with it so much opportunity for freedom for people that they don't have to be in a particular place in terms of where they work or learn, but it gives them that scope as we spoke about, Rick, for me to be down the coast right now and not having to be sitting in a particular spot if that's not where I'll be able to get my best work done and in terms of it fitting in also mm -hmm. with everything else that's going on in my life at the moment. So this would be where um, you're saying, what is it called? Focusing on outcomes over office hours. That's where that arose, wasn't it? Yeah, so I'll, I'll fill in on the story of how that came about because it really has shifted how I think about work in total. And it actually goes back about 15 years ago. So as mentioned, I was working in corporate and at the time I was leading a large department. I, I was leading contact centres and I had about 400 people in my department. And I would have back-to-back -back meetings in the office each day and then we were an open plan environment. So whenever I did have a break between all my meetings and I would go back to my desk, very quickly a line would form at my desk of people <laughs> who just wanted five minutes. Your to time. Yeah, just they either wanted approval for something or to bounce something off me. And so I felt that I never had time to work on the things that I felt were my priorities in work. And so one day, 
I decided, you know what, I just need a day to catch up. And so this was when working from home really wasn't something that people did. Mm. And I decided I was going to work from home. And this was way before Zoom, Teams, WebEx was around. And I said to my team, look, give me a call on my mobile if you urgently need me. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to work from home with my dial-up connection. (laughs) And I'm just going to work on the things that matter so I can try and get through my email inbox. I can try and deal on top of things. And that day was one of the most productive days that I had. And so when I went back to the office the next day, I thought, you know what? I think I should do this work from home thing a little bit more because it gives me the opportunity to focus on the things that I think are really, really important as opposed to everyone else coming to me and demanding my time. So from that, I came up with this mantra, which has really guided me not only through my corporate life, but now what I um, teach and coach corporate leadership teams on. And that mantra is outcomes over hours in the office. So I worked out and with my team over the years, we worked through to say, it doesn't matter when or where we work, as long as we can collaborate effectively and communicate effectively, the as long as we're clear on the outcomes, the things that really add the most value for our people, our customers, our organization, when and how we do it is such a secondary thought to what is it we're doing and how does that work best? Where can we be the most productive in terms of when and where we get our work done? And obviously with the global pandemic that's mm-hmm. happened, it's forced a lot of companies now and a lot of them really digging their heels in not wanting to move away from the office. Mm. But I think we've seen so many people show that they can absolutely be trusted to focus on those outcomes over the hours in the office. Yeah, there's been that. There was almost an, another industry born as a result of remote learning. I, I remember seeing a lot of software coming out trying to track minute by minute, screen grabbing every second. You know, that doesn't, yeah. that doesn't really um, create an environment that people want to be in, does it? Absolutely. And Rick, I've recently uh, written a book called Effective Remote Teams. Yes. And in prep, yeah, which has been wonderful. And in it, I share all my practical strategies about mm-hmm. how you can lead and work from anywhere so you can achieve extraordinary outcomes, but also do it without burnout. And one of the things that I did was I interviewed a lot of executives, so CEOs, CFOs, CIOs, managing partners, and I just asked them one question. And the question was, if you, when you think about how we will lead in our new normal, what are the two to three key skills that you think leaders need in order to effectively lead their teams? And the really interesting thing, and it gets to what you're talking about of, you know, people using technology to check their employees mm. were at their screens, etc. Mm-hmm. Every single person who I interviewed, every single executive said one of the key skills that leaders need is trust. They need to trust that their people want to do a good job and you don't need to be checking if they're sitting at their desk and they're working every single minute of the day. And that outcomes over hours philosophy helps you to be able to do that. Because if you're really clear what your North Star is of what you're working towards, it actually doesn't matter if they're sitting there at that desk right then or there, if they're really providing the value of what they're doing in their job. I wonder if uh, today's resumes, uh, given my experience with HR, um, I'm wondering today if uh, resumes are coming through with a lot more experienced in remote work and whether or not um, the recruitment process has a big part to play in the future of this. 
Oh, absolutely. And I, I love chatting with my clients. So as I mentioned there, um, the senior leadership teams, mainly in corporate in large global companies, mm-hmm. and often we'll have the conversation about what are you seeing right now with hiring, recruiting, etc. And I think the most interesting thing right now is the employees' expectations. And that is that so many um, jobs are going online now, talking about flexibility, talking about the fact that the employee has a significant say in terms of particularly where they work from. And that the companies that aren't offering that flexibility are literally going to lose the war for talent because people have shown the data is so clear that people want choice of um, where they work from. Can we talk about productivity a little bit more? We touched on it earlier. And you know, you, this this idea of nine to five, it just makes me a little bit <laughs> Tell me your views <laughs> on productivity in terms of um, working less, producing more. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, so firstly, I'm so with you. If you think <laughs> about the concept of working Monday to Friday, nine to five, that has its place for certain types of work where mm. there's shift work, factory work, etc. But I predominantly work with knowledge workers where it's not about standing at a conveyor belt and having to be there at a particular time. So a factory works 24 by seven. Mm. And so the concept of those business hours is really an antiquated term. Uh, and particularly when thinking about knowledge workers. So that's where I really like to flip it on its head that where and when you work is set so secondary in a really distant second to what's the value and the output that you're giving. I think the other thing here is that we also know that some people are morning people and some people <laughs> just aren't. Yep. And so being able to manage based on your own energy levels and therefore energy leading to productivity is really important because the studies show that, you know, roughly a third of people are what they call the morning larks, roughly a third are the night owls who are so much more energetic and productive, if you think about it, outside of your nine to five hours. And then about a third fall somewhere in between and can go either way. And so if we think about that, a third of people are night owls and are more productive then, it seems strange to me that we wouldn't let them be able to do their best work, whether that's from a creativity and innovation standpoint or just a throughput based on when they feel most energetic. I I do believe there still needs to be crossover times Mm. where teams can still connect and collaborate. Um, But it you don't need to have all eight hours, 10 hours of the day being the same. You might choose to have, for example, there are three hours where we absolutely want to make sure that we can overlap to have that real-time communication and real-time feedback. But a lot of things don't have to be real-time these days. And I think that's something that I'm keen that we shift away from, that everything has to be a meeting and has to be real-time because there's a lot of things that you can still progress really, really well by doing it um, at different times based on when you're at your most productive. Thank you for this wonderful conversation. Absolutely loving the insights that you're sharing. Now, just for context, uh, if you're listening to this show, watching this show, no matter where you are, um, just for, uh, again, that context, 
Tina's worked with um, some giants in industry who are very conscious of the decisions that they're making. Let me just run off a few um, names for you. Amazon, Microsoft, Sky, GE, Afterpay, uh, Lazard, Judo Bank, um, and the list goes on and on and on. So, you know, this is, this is not just some sort of theoretical uh, discussion. This is uh, based in, you know, practical fact, isn't it, Tina? It's, it's actually happening. Yeah, absolutely. And my whole ethos is, I've been where corporate leaders are, so I know exactly what it's like when you're in back-to-back -back meetings from eight till five, you get a couple of hundred emails coming to your inbox, and then you're trying to work out <laughs> when's the time for me yeah. either to do my work or even for me to look after myself. Uh, and so I think that really resonates with uh, the global clients that I work with, that I've been there before and I've being able to work through well, what things work and what things might sound really good in theory, mm. but in practice, they just they don't, don't translate. I'd love mm. to learn a little bit more about you, Tina, in terms of your daily routine and, you know, see if you live by, by the words that you speak. Now, <laughs> yeah, do, you, do, you, do you get up early? Do you, are you an early riser? What, what works for you? Yeah, so where do you think about that third, a third, a third of people who are morning larks, night owls, or the in-betweens? I'm an in-between. I'm definitely not a setting stone either way. That said, I do try and get up relatively early. So for me, that's usually between 6 and 6.30 that mm. I get up. Um, one of the things I talk a lot about non-negotiables. So your non-negotiables meaning what are the things that you need to do for yourself so that you've got the energy to do the work that you um, are doing. Yep. And one of the things that I've worked out that is an absolute non-negotiable in my, in my routine is working out when am I going to get my eight hours sleep? Yep. And I know there are people who talk about how they can get by on four hours sleep. Um, just so you know, <laughs> the number of people who can get by on six or less hours sleep, when you round it to the nearest percent gets to, you ready, Rick? zero percent oh. so most of us think we can do that but mm. the reality is not the thing so i know i need eight hours sleep yep so um so that's a big part of my routine in terms of what time i go to bed to be able to then get up between that six to six thirty um another non-negotiable for me is around um moving during the day so having ten thousand steps so i have a garmin that i wear and yep. really interesting stat um for people who wear a watch or a device that have a device that tracks their steps, on average, they do 35% more steps than those that don't track their oh, steps. So okay. I'm a very big believer in visual management and tracking and measuring measurement. the things that are important. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so in terms of my routine and living it, a very big part of What's important to me is my family. So mm -hmm. that's spending time in the morning with my husband, two kids. It does get chaotic getting them ready for school, <laughs> Oh, <et> no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so doing that. And then in terms of what really makes a difference with my routine is I usually at the end of the previous day, I've already thought about what are the things that are most important for me to focus on tomorrow. So once again, it's not just working on whatever comes at me from my clients and my team, but it's me being really deliberate of these are the things that have the most value for the people that I work with, the people who I serve. And so I have a list that I, and it literally has a one next to what's the most important, yep. two next to the second most <laughs> important. 
And so then I can really work through them during the day and make sure I'm working on the things that are the most important. You are so vibrant and energetic. You're almost jumping through my screen and I love the I love it. It's fascinating. Eight hours sleep. I, I was gonna say, but I wonder, are you always on? But how do you if you need to wind down, how do you do that at the end of a busy day? Yeah, so um, for me, yes, what you're say, what you're seeing, what you're hearing is real. I will say that. And I've had clients now who've been with me from the start and they say, Oh, I kind of thought you might have been putting it on to start no, with, but no. then I've realized it's every you. call with you, you like this. It's just how I am. Um, so for me, as I said, those non-negotiables are really, really important for me to be able to do what I do. Mm -hmm. That is absolutely a big part. But I think for me also, because of where I've come from, which is when I was in corporate, mm. I literally burnt out. Yeah. So I didn't have my non-negotiables in place. And so for me at night, when I had those micro decisions of, am I going to do more work or am I going to go to sleep? Work one out every single time because I did believe this is going back a decade ago that longer hours were the way to go. And then what I realized when I actually was trying to push through at work with pneumonia. Yes, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, yeah. I, and I don't recommend that to oh, anyone no. where I literally put everyone else first and everything else first, except for me thinking I'll just work harder, I'll just push through. And I think one of the challenges is as a leader, we often talk about the importance of resilience and being able to get up when you fall down and just to keep going. Mm. And resilience is a wonderful thing. And, and having that tenacity to push through is a great, great asset. But it can also be an Achilles heel because if you're not listening to yourself when you are starting to get sick, you can end up, as I mentioned, how I did, where I literally was trying to push through at work with pneumonia and I ended up in the emergency department. So working out well how am i feeling it, and that it's so important to look after yourself to fit your own oxygen mask first as the saying goes yeah that is one of the secrets i've seen to the longevity of really being able to get work done in a really smart way you know there's some wonderful insights that you're sharing with us and you talk about measurement quite a bit as um, one of the most important things that we need to be tracking um what are some of the i guess the measurable benefits um you know i suddenly think about environmental positives what can you share uh, with us yeah um so yes i'm a complete data nerd so i do like measuring <laughs> things um <laughs> uh and so the benefits are firstly when you measure stuff you get clearer you get clearer on what's important hmm. so you get to reflect and go well what do i want to measure what are the things that make the most difference uh, and that in itself is a really powerful exercise and it's not just on the work front of what you want your kpis your key performance indicators to be but also outside of work i mentioned the tracking my steps I do have, I wear something called an aura ring, which is spelled O-U-R-A. And this tracks the quality of my sleep. So I mentioned how eight hour sleep is important to me, mm. but I also care about the quality of that sleep. So it's not junk sleep as yep. such and really helping. My aura ring tracks that for me so I can have a look and go, okay, how have I gone the last few nights? And if I haven't had as good a sleep to be able to go, okay, I might need to just wind down a little bit more 
um, before I go to bed so I can really focus on that quality of sleep as well. Um, the other thing that I've realized um, from my life in corporate is don't have, you don't need to measure absolutely everything. everything yeah. Just measure the things that matter because we, I think we're overloaded with information these days. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's sifting through to go, well, what's the stuff that really matters that will make the biggest difference? I would rather focus, as I said, on those two key metrics there of my steps and my hours and, and nothing else to go. I then ruthlessly focus on the things that matter when it comes to my health. There's so much good content here. I, I think about the long hours that um, people can spend traveling to and from a workplace. They no longer need to do that, but then you multiply that by the number of people in a remote team. You know, the, the benefits uh, almost exponential if you start stacking it all up. Now I'm wondering, tell us a little bit about, um, I guess the difference between working uh, in small remote teams and larger ones. Is there any, I guess, logistical challenges related to that? Yeah, absolutely. And I, a lot of my clients who I'm working with, as so many of them are working out, well, what do we want our new normal to look like? Hmm. Do we want to prescribe a certain number of days in the office? Do mm -hmm. we want to give employees complete flexibility? And one of the things that most organisations are doing is coming up with guardrails. So that's, for example, saying we would love people to be able to connect in the office where it makes sense, but also give them flexibility to work based on their preference. So some people prefer being in the office, some prefer working from home or elsewhere. But one of the things that I've seen, which gets to the small team, large team that you mentioned, is that a lot of them are saying, define it as a team. So it's not necessarily that the entire organization all are in an office on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays. But to say, who are the people that you work with closely? Have the conversation with them mm. as to what makes sense. And I think one of the interesting things that I've seen also, and I encourage people to think about, is what their definition of team is. Because a lot of people go straight to an organizational chart and go, who reports into who? that's the team. Mm -hmm. I encourage you to think a little bit differently though. And yes, that's important of who your boss is and who else reports into your boss, but also think about who are the people that you need to collaborate, communicate, connect with to be able to get your best work done for your organization. And they might be in a completely different part of the organization in a completely different reporting line. So think through not only reporting lines, but who do you need to do your best work with yes. and connect, communicate, collaborate with and have the conversation about how you're going to work together, what the role of the office will be, whether you're going to spend a certain number of days or set days in the office together mm -hmm. so that you can still be creative and innovative um, and still connect, but also do it more on your terms in terms of whatever is your preference as well. It's very clear to me why you're in this position and doing so wonderfully well and changing the lives of so many people for the better. Now, before we move on to the discussion about your wonderful book, Effective Remote Teams, tell me a little bit about what it's like to run a marathon. <laughs> so, well, uh, so I, 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 did a, I, did a, I did a city debate and that was enough for me. 
Yeah, amazing. So as I say, all world records are safe around me. I'm one of those back of the pack runners. Oh, I'm glad I'm not the only one. (laughs) Well, I remember when I um, first ran the New York Marathon and the thought, I I was only running five kilometres at the time when I decided that was going to be my goal. And I remember uh, my mum called me. So my mum lives on the Sunshine Coast in Australia. Mm. And after I finished um, the marathon, she called me and she said, so Tina, where did you come? And I burst <laughs> out laughing and I said, I don't care. Whoever beat me, beat me. Yeah. And whoever I beat, I beat them. A marathon, unless you're a professional, for me, it is a race against myself of going, finish. can I do something that, doubt comes in where I'm thinking I'm not sure I can do this or not so I do look at the the marathons that I have run and go they're some of the happiest days of my life but I think that I see them as happy now that they're over and the <laughs> muscles have recovered <laughs> tell me something I remember losing my legs at the finish line I was so proud of myself but I lost my legs did that happen to you I literally fell over I, I couldn't feel my legs it was so scary oh. No, I I haven't had that, but I did hit the wall in that first marathon in particular. And for me, the thing that I remember, and I've actually thought about it quite a bit during COVID and I did a LinkedIn video on it, was (laughs) I remember when it was about the 34 kilometre mark. So a marathon being a bit over 42 kilometres. And I was just hurting. (laughs) This is enough. (laughs) And I'm plodding along. And there was, we'd gone into Harlem um, in the New York City uh, Marathon and there was a massive sign that said, the only wall around here is downtown in the financial district, keep going. And it was mainly saying, you know, you're hurting, keep going. And then it said only five miles to go. And so that's about eight kilometres. And I thought, okay, eight kilometres, I can do this, I can do this. And I kept going and so it had said, five miles to go and about five minutes later was the sign saying officially five miles to go and that nearly broke me because in my head it was five miles was further back I was further along (laughs) and it's really helped me in some ways though to go when these really big things whether it's a marathon or work deliverable chunking it down Mm. and going okay I can do this little bit of it, whether it's running two miles or it's, you know, just the first milestone of a project. That mentality has really served me well, not only in running, but also in business of going, don't think about the whole elephant, think about the one bite at a time. Yeah, that's great feedback. Thank you so very much. You know, we're not only learning about you and, and, and the business, but you know, there's lots of great takeaways for people. And now I want to talk, um, about your book, Effective Remote Teams, we've certainly dug into the topic, so we know really what's in there, but what's the lay of the land inside the book and where can people buy this book? Yeah, sure. So there are three key um, sections of my book. And the first is about how to lead yourself. And we've covered this a little bit, but Mm. no matter what type of job you've got, no matter what business, looking after yourself and leading yourself is really, really important so that you do have the energy to be able to do whatever it is that you do in your business. Um, So that's the first section, how to lead yourself. And that gets into, as I mentioned, how do you 
find time to look after yourself when you've got so much going on. Mm. The second section is around how to lead your team. So this really gets into what I was sharing earlier around what are the skills that leaders, leaders need to be able to lead in this new normal where it's shifted way beyond command and control yeah, where yeah. everyone's in the office together and that presenteeism of, well, well, my boss is still here, I should still be here, or, ooh, I need to sneak out of the office. Mm -hmm. I'll put my jacket on the back of my chair so it looks like I'm still here and working. <laughs> you know, all that all rubbish. That rubbish. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so the second section really dives into those insights from the senior executives of what are the skills you need to be able to lead in this new normal. And then the final section is about, well, how do you achieve extraordinary outcomes? So this is the working smarter bit. How do you focus on the things that really matter? And my signature program, which I coach senior leadership teams at uh, large global companies on, mm. focuses on three key areas, which is how do you be effective? So that's what you choose to work on. The second piece is how do you be efficient? So how do you get through things in, in a, the fastest way, but also how do you use your time efficiently to be able to do the things that matter? Mm -hmm. And then the third part, which is the rocket fuel, is how do you be um, energetic? So that's also how do you look after yourself so you can get the right work done? Uh, in terms of where people can get my book, effectiveremoteteams.com, uh, and you can get it online. There's also a free report there of the top 10 mistakes that leaders make. Uh, and so you can think through, okay, what are the things that I need to avoid as I think about leading in this new normal? Wow, what a conversation. You know, I think we've just scratched the surface of this um, vast topic and it's really been quite a privilege for me to have this opportunity to talk with you today, Tina, and thank you so very much for joining me on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure, Rick. Thanks so much. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the call, then make sure to subscribe, leave a comment, share us with your friends and book your spot on the show at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. And if you're looking for solutions that will help grow your business, then visit myfuturebusiness.com forward slash shop.